Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. My name is CJ Trader and this is episode number 165. With me, as always, I've really run out of words for this style of episode. My two awesome co-hosts. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. And Brian Brilliman. Hi, this is Brian. Hi, this is Brian. Hi, this is Brian. Alright, so it's that time of year again. New IPG is out. There are updates. And we are bound uh, to a demon pact that we have to talk about them. Yeah, we really should have thought that through like a hundred and something episodes ago. Yeah, I would rather talk about cats. It's, like it's every time we do an episode, one of our tattoos disappears. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like I feel like Liliana. Uh, I, I can relate to that now. <laughs> yeah, just whole like requirement to do things. Finally, anyway, a character that represents me, <laughs> cursed by demons. Uh, so we have a very special guest on. We have the one, the only Eric Aliff. Hello, how's everybody doing tonight? Eric's going to be coming with us on our IPG journey. Oh, it'll be, it's like uh, the, the riverboat cruise at uh, Disney. Yes. Yeah, we I, get to look at the backside of water. It is exactly Jump. like that in yes, no way that I know of. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna look at the backside of some in, some infractions. So, ah, I see. Eric, <laughs> since uh, all of us aren't as intimately aware of Disney as Brian is, who lives in Orlando... Yep. Uh, can you introduce yourself? The, the sure. two statements had nothing to do with each other. It's just trying to get off of that topic. No, no. The segue attempt was beautiful. It wasn't an attempt. It was a segue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my name is Eric Aliff. Uh, I'm currently an L2 living in Roanoke, Virginia. I would consider home to be Richmond, a little bit of Fayetteville, Wisconsin. I have managed to be several places. So we're here right now. My wife, Angela, is working for Star City, and I work in a middle school with autistic students. Oh, wow. Yeah. So so here's a here's a so you live in Roanoke. Um, so, you know, why Star City Games is called like what what about Roanoke is makes it Star City, right? So, yes, though, as as a a history teacher, I've been trying to figure out, like, why they thought it was a good idea to just, like, jack up this really large star other than tourists might show up. So I'm still really perplexed about that. Like, I want a good reason other than we thought the largest freestanding aluminum illuminated (laughs) structure. I don't know if I put enough qualifiers on that yet. (laughs) So so in Roanoke, there's a. There's a there's a, a a mountain that they yes. just put like un, like the Hollywood sign. Yep. They put a giant star yep. that they and turn it, on and light up. It is actually kind of cool looking. I, I will admit that. But it definitely just begs these questions of like, why? And nobody wants to answer those questions. People are just like, mm, it's a star. No, Deal with there. it. Well, I mean, it was like Georgia, doesn't it have like a giant peach somewhere in the state? And there's yeah, like but at least they grow peaches. Uh, like at least there's something you can vaguely also, connect. Yeah, I believe to. it's a functional water tower. I was well. And I believe that's in South Carolina. Uh, oh, wait, that makes, hold on now. A giant peach in South Carolina. I makes also no believe sense. South Carolina exports more peaches than Georgia does. Even though we hmm. we try what? to claim that title. You, you claimed the name. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. That I don't think that's true. I think that's a. I don't. I don't think that's true. Is it? Is it maybe an alternate yeah. fact? Gaffney, South Carolina. <laughs> got there. Uh, got it. Yeah, Gaffney, South Carolina. It's called the Peachoid. Sitting high above. Wow. Interstate. So, so All right. here, here's, here's yeah, a I was going to say. Segway times. Yeah. I have one thing about the star. Uh, they used. They used to change its color <laughs> when there was an automobile accident. No way, really. 
Yeah, I cannot bringing, verify this that. This is tangentially magical related. I mean, in Star City mm, games. Yeah, I mean, we can keep relating it to that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's been it's probably been like a good 15, 20 years before, you know, ago when they used to do it, when somebody was like, you know, we might not want to do that. But yeah, it used to be uh, they changed the color of it when there was a traffic fatality. Huh. All right. <laughs> and speaking of fatalities, failure to decide board. <laughs> <That didn't laughs> That's not as fatal as it once was. Is that a new infraction? No, it's not. But that's what we still call it. So there have been some changes to its deck deck list problem, where uh, if somebody failed to remove a sideboard card before the start of the game, um, what used to happen, a player would draw a sideboard card in their opening hand, or, you know, they draw a card later on. Sorry, opening hand has its own fixes. Sorry. Uh, They draw a card later on. And they're just like, oh, Judge, I just drew the sideboard card. What do I do? And it's like, thanks for your honesty, but here's your game loss. And that's hashtag feels bad, man. So and and if you if you drew the card in your opening hand, if you drew the one sideboard in your opening hand, that was the downgrade. So you you drew the card, you showed it. Uh, they basically fixed the deck, and then the player had to for, was forced to take a mulligan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was that was the the as of a week ago. That was what you did for a failure to de-sideboard. If you caught it in the opening hand, uh, you lost a card, warning, kept going. If you caught it later in the game, it was game loss. And those felt especially bad when you would catch it like, Judge, this was the very first card I drew. I've done nothing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So uh, we've tweaked the fix there. And uh, now uh, what we can do is we can just kind of pretend like that card doesn't exist. Like it just ceases to exist. Poof. Um, so we take that card out, we fix the deck, which will, of course, re- involve removing any other sideboard cards, because if there's one, there might be more. Uh, and then we shuffle any missing cards back in, because once again, those sideboard cards probably were swapped out for a main deck card. And then, obviously, they get, they're get they going to get a warning for deck deckless problem, but they also basically lose that card. So let's say it was a draw two instruction, and one of the cards they drew was the sideboard card. Uh, they don't get to draw another one to replace that card. So they're just going to draw one. And similarly, if it's a scry three, right? And they're looking at the top three and they're like, oh, crap, this is a sideboard card. Um, we're going to remove the sideboard card from that set. And then they'll have two cards to finish up the scry with. Mm-hmm. Now, now, it should be noted should be noted that this doesn't apply if the sideboard card that we find could also or is also in the main board. Right. And I think that's one that people are going to have to remember to actually ask questions about and not just go into autopilot of, I found an error, fix error, get them back to playing. Well, how do they? Uh, that, that's that's going to come up a lot in uh, situations like in modern where I've got you mm-hmm. know, one or two Path to Exiles in my main deck and then I board in more copies and then forget about it. We're yeah. not going to apply that downgrade in this situation, so, even if they call it on themselves. So they would notice when they draw the third one or whatever? Well, even if they were to notice somehow when they draw the first one, because it's a card in their main deck, basically the idea here is that uh, they've significantly increased the chance that they're going to draw that card. So there actually is a potential for advantage here. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They might notice it because I've seen some players that like to, like, for instance, Ancient Grudge. Maybe you play the different art, like the FNM art in your sideboard and play the normal art in your main board if you would want to play Ancient Grudge in both. So that might be a way they realize it, like, oh, crap, I drew this one, and I know that one's supposed to be in my sideboard. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now, um, sorry, I was, I was dealing with, with, with Lauren. <laughs> uh, she, watched a, she watched a scary show, and now she's scared. But uh, did, you guys, did you guys cover, okay, so if you discover the card 
or cards in your opening draw? Not yet. No. Okay. Cover it. So, okay. No, I, so if I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead, Brian. Okay. So if you if you draw your opening seven and you realize that you have a sideboard card in your in your hand, well, we're going to take that sideboard card away, and now you have you have those six cards, and you can continue to mulligan from that point. But I believe you're going to be mulliganing mulliganing to five at that point if you continue mulliganing. Uh, also, if you have two sideboard cards in your hand, well, you're at, we're going to take those two cards away, so your hand size is five now, and you can continue mulliganing from that point uh, because uh, there isn't anything on the in policy that says otherwise. And so an important note in all of this is is you have to call it on them or the player has to call it on themselves. Uh, it, and and a lot of this is is similar to the putting a face down creature that doesn't have morph, putting playing a morph as a playing a not morph as a morph. Um, they have to call it on themselves and it can't be like, oh, you thought seized me. Oh, whoops. I have this sideboard card in my hand, you know, or um, they basically right. have to call you when they notice it. Uh-huh. And similarly, you you don't get this downgrade if your opponent notices and you didn't have a chance to see it. So, like, for example, um, if I play something like Gaunty Lord of Luxury and grab a card from my opponent's deck and then I go, wait a minute, this is normally a sideboard card and call a judge. Um, they're not going to get a downgrade in that case yeah. because they didn't discover it. So you remember the old classic situation what? i'm gonna throw a wrench in this i'm gonna throw <laughs> okay. a wrench in this you remember oh, the old, please throw all the wrenches the classic story of like a player losing turn one because uh opponent plays goblin guide swings the opponent you know is then supposed to reveal the top card of their deck and it was a sideboard card so they lost the game um okay that's a, that's a that's a classic that's a classic yeah you haven't heard that story uh I think in no. the actual story, it was a no. lightning bolt, and lightning bolt wasn't legal in that format. But either way, <laughs> so that's different. Okay. But I'm trying to actually so, tell the story. So it's not a sideboard. It's not even a sideboard problem. <laughs> but let's say it was a sideboard card. Okay. What do you do? This is a new classic, apparently. What do you do? Uh, well, let's make a quick look at back to the actual policy. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't think that that situation falls into this downgrade. Maybe it should, and that's that's definitely something that could be. So considered okay. but as written i don't think this falls into that policy so you'd argue that that kind of falls into the same as the opponent discovering it like because you you yeah. well, discovering it at the same time the, the policy specifically requires that they have to call attention to it before an opponent sees or is about to see it gotcha oh interesting yeah well, i'm glad i asked it's i i kind of think that that the wording on this on this policy could probably afford some tightening up in a lot of places, because I think if you discover if you if the first opportunity that you had to notice it is literally the exact same time that the opponent does, like in the in the flip, then that kind of should apply. I mean, it doesn't the way it's written, but I feel like it should. Should it? Um, though? I, I don't necessarily think that that should apply. Uh, the the yeah. the purpose of the downgrade is to basically encourage players to, to call this on themselves, right? Um, we, we don't want players, we don't want the feel-bads of somebody doing the right thing and then getting punished for it. Um, yeah, and I think doing the right thing might also entail doing the right thing when I could very quietly not do the right thing and no one is there to notice it. Exactly. Whereas with the Goblin Guide situation, my opponent sees it at the very same time I do, so... Yeah, okay, that's fair. I mean, I, so, like, I completely understand where you're coming from emotionally? I don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand, um, 
like that might be something you can you can discuss saying oh well maybe that should be the case and, and that might be fine but uh, i don't think philosophically it it falls in line with the reason for this particular downgrade it might be included for other reasons but i, th- I think it's fine the way it is with with the intent behind this change okay so looking at extra cards right. looking at extra cards okay, extra cards you guys are gonna let me skip the other thing <laughs> but, oh no no i all right legitimately think if we talk about it it will be more confusing because i think people would have already been ruling it this way what's the situation now we have to talk I, about it I, i'm actually not yeah, sure I'm... what we're talking about here okay so so, so right now this is this is this is the they added oh, a case this to one. the downgrade they added a case to the other downgrade for deck deckless problem so there is another downgrade that says it starts off with if a deck is discovered to be missing cards after the players have begun drawing opening hands. So I presented to my opponent um, and the missing cards can be located, issue a warning and fix it. Okay. So, however, there specifically is a case, a point in time where if I present a 59 card deck to my opponent and my opponent counts my deck and I have 59 cards, that's going to be, that is, that's not downgradable. Even if that card's like right over there. Yes, that is correct. Um, that's that is not downgradable. That is a game loss. But uh-huh. they added uh, uh, an exception that says this downgrade may also be applied during deck presentation, which is what we're talking about. If the cards from one player's deck are in the current opponents, so if I have a 59 card deck because that 60th card is in my opponent's deck, then uh, then you're also just going to to do the downgrade. Okay. Okay. So if I'm, okay. if I'm, if I'm, and and that, that, that's that's really all it is 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 it's it's no longer it's no longer oh you presented a 59 card deck to me it doesn't matter where that 60th card is you're gonna get a game loss if if I have your 60th card in my deck and let's say the sleeve is a different color or something like that so it, it doesn't it doesn't count for whatever uh, with the earlier up in the uh, the additional philosophy section or the fix section it talks about cards with different sleeves right right right. so it doesn't count so but this that's that is it's explicitly calling that out as an exception to the you know always a game loss when an error is caught during presenting a deck yes i I don't understand what your problem is with this maybe i'm misunderstanding what you mean my problem yeah no cj had the problem of saying that he didn't want to cover it because he thought it was going to be confusing i think oh i think most people would have ruled it that way already so by discussing it, I think it ends up in a situation where people are now going to be like, well, wait, what did I hear on JudgeCast? What am I supposed to do here? I don't think so, only because I've had judges come and talk to me and say, this is a game loss, right? They've presented, and I think the loophole makes sense to close. Though I would also add, I think we're double downgrading, because while the other person has a 61-card deck, I think we're okay with downgrading that one too, right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. I think the call out is fine simply because it encourages judges to check for that, which they often might sure. not. Yeah. Well, there's there's also a clause earlier in the fraction where it talks about like if you have a card in a different sleeve in your deck. So if I'm running all black sleeves and I've got a you know a light blue card in the, a sleeve, a light blue sleeve, then we don't consider that. That's part that's not deck. even yeah we don't even consider that part of a deck. So if I have your 60th card in my deck of now 61 cards. Well, I don't have a 61 card deck. I have a 60 card deck because that loose leaf card doesn't count. Sure. So it's not mm-hmm. even, it's not even an infraction for me. 
Right. You get a you get a game or you did until this was called out. Yeah, I think right. this is a great change. I think it's totally mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And you know, with all those with all those cards that that like, oh, I exile your thing. Uh, it's it's getting more and more common that people scoop up scoop up your stuff. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, can someone explain the looking at extra cards changes slash tweaks to me? Uh, basically, basically looking at extra cards used to refer to um, cards that you looked at. Basically, any card you weren't entitled to see, uh, if you looked at it in some fashion, it was looking at extra cards, which was a very broad definition. But then the fix that we had in place previously in the IPG only referred to dealing with the library, which obviously doesn't work if the cards that you looked at were not in the library somehow. Um, and so now this is just basically this is all just clarification that looking at extra cards kind of refers to just the library or the deck in cases where the library is not not the library yet as per game rules. Okay, uh, can you come up with an example of when I'm not supposed to be able to look at something, but it's not in the library? Uh, yes, I can. This is something that's uh, talked. They talked a lot about recently in discussions. Is Bomat Courier? Bomat Courier. Uh, whenever you attack an opponent, you exile the top card of your library face down. Uh, you aren't supposed to look at that card. Uh, at no point are you entitled to see that card. And it does this every time you attack. Uh, if at some point, let's say I had three egg cards exiled, and for some reason I, I forget which pal's which, I pick one of those cards up and and look at it, and I realize it's a problem, and I call a judge. Under the old policy, this would have fallen under the looking at extra cards definition, uh, but the fix would require us to shuffle it into the library, which isn't a fix that really fits the situation. Uh, now it's no longer part of that infraction, and we can deal with it differently. Um, specifically, it's a, 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 just a game rule violation at this point. Yeah. And there's not really much to fix about Bomat Courier. And I think that was the big one of the big problems was you ended up with people trying to kind of ham fist a fix yeah. that was in no way appropriate to the situation that had been caused a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, would frequently be like, people oh. would try to like put be like, okay, well we'll shuffle this one in and give you a new random one or yeah. something along those lines. And uh the 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 correct fix really uh I think the policy sets it up now that the correct fix is to say, uh, don't do that anymore. You're going to get a warning and put that card back. Yeah. yeah. And and the, the res- response a lot of times you hear is, oh, but now they know what that card is. Well, really, yeah. anytime, anytime there's a game rule violation, information is going to be leaked in, in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. And you just hear, here's a warning. Don't do it again. We're watching. Uh, and and you just you just carry on. You know, if if they can, if that's something that they continue to do, then that's going to show up. Um, but yeah, any anytime there's a anytime there's a GRV, like some information, you're not going to be able to perfectly restore information uh, in all instances, and that's got to be okay in some cases. I am sated. You're sated Ooh, with, with that information. I thought you were insa- You had an insatiable appetite for information, CJ. No, that was that was a good amount of information. I feel good. <laughs> I think, you know, not too much. Are you, are you, know, you don't want too much information. And are you are you full? Not full. I mean, there's still room. He's he's not full, but he recognizes that this isn't like a Thanksgiving of information yeah. where you just gorge yourself on right. on information. Oh, like, <laughs> so so it's it's like the uh, the continental breakfast of of gorging. Yeah, where you know, you go down and they just have like you know the stale muffins and like the little mini the little <laughs> mini donuts. 
and like the waffle machine, but there's a line of like four kids and you're not getting in there. So you just, <laughs> you just kind of have your watered down orange juice and your, your, your fruit loops and an orange slice and call it a day. Okay. So <laughs> let's that segue from British? that. Let's move on to hidden card error. Uh, I'll dive in. I'll dive in. I'll take this one. So, so let me talk about the previous situation so I can talk about what the change to that situation was. Uh, so previously, let's say you had a card that said, you know, fetch a land, right? Go search your library for a forest, put it into your hand. Um, and you don't reveal the card. Okay? That's classic hidden hidden card error. So a judge is going to be called. We're going to reveal the hand. And then the opponent's going to pick a card from the hand. Uh, that hand, That card picked is going to become basically what was chosen while fetching. So if I reveal my hand and uh, the opponent for some reason says, oh, the card they picked is that forest, then we're good. We don't do anything else because I got a legal card, you know? So that helps with the situation where I reveal my hand and it's three forests, right? It's like, well, I clearly, even though I, I messed up with the revealing the card, I clearly got a legal card. Um, if I reveal my hand and there's no force, then we have a separate problem because that's shady. But... You know, I reveal my hand, there's a force in there, and the opponent picks a creature. And they're like, okay, that creature is what you actually found with that card. Um, in, in that case, we're going to shuffle it back into the library, and that's the end of the story. Beyond the warning, of course. That would be the end of the story. So the change now is that after we shuffle that card away, if we do shuffle a card away, the player actually gets to repeat the search that they did previously. So in that case, I would get to go find a forest again. So that's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna keep quiet on this. <laughs> so a, um, another I think example. This is an improvement, personally. Another. I, I like the idea that we are trying to return to the most accurate game state possible, and I think that doing this allows us to, because I think the unintentional nature of it means that if we don't let them get the correct thing, then we end up, like in this case, we end up wastelanding or strip mining them. And I don't, I don't like that, but I know Brian may disagree on this uh, one. So let me give another example, and then you guys can duke it out if you want. So just as another example, we always go to Domri Raid as a hidden card error example, and that's a uh, you know plus one. You reveal the top creature, of, top card of your library. If it's a creature, you get to put it in your hand. Uh, so once again, they look at it. I'm sorry, look at the top card. You get to reveal it if it's a creature and put it in your hand. They look at it. They don't reveal it. They put it straight into hand. Um, so just as another example, reveal the hand opponent's like oh you picked this non-creature in your hand shuffle that away and we repeat the action do we shuffle that one away uh, i don't know let's look at the ipg and see what it says to do oh no <laughs> oh there's there's nothing in the ipg that supports anything cj just said uh shuffling it away is supported well, yes. Okay, shuffle it. Okay. Sorry, it away, but doing it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can shuffle it away. That's yeah. cool. I'm yeah, cool with yeah. that. Shuffling it's all away, good. That's, that's in the IPG. Yeah, Getting I was say. Uh, some of it's so... Sorry. <laughs> it's, so this, this is this is the thing. This I, I'm, I'm not going to be silent about this. No, this is, I thought you were. There, yeah, I, I know. I uh, Alternate facts. Um, uh, there is... The this whole thing about searching again or doing the Domri raid ability again, where that comes from, that is in Toby's policy blog explaining the changes for the IPG. Um, the problem link, is link in the show notes. Uh, there's actually nothing in the IPG that actually says that. What happens is, is there was a statement 
that said a player that said a player does not repeat the instruction or partial instructions, if any, that caused the infraction. That sentence was removed. And I guess what the implication was is once you remove that sentence, then this becomes the 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 norm. However, if you read the rest of the document, it's it's really not there's there's nothing that indicates that you're supposed to redo the action. So so if you read Toby's if you read Toby's blog, you'll see this about redoing the 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 search. If you read the IP if you read the IPG, you're you're not going to see anything about that. So basically, a someone that reads the IPG updates and someone that reads Toby's blogs are going to come to very different conclusions as to what to do in the exact same situation. I do think in some ways though like maybe a good comparison would be when we deal with someone like let's say someone tries to doom blade a black creature like if if that happens and we get called over we're not going to say to them i'm sorry you don't get to repeat the action we're going to say choose a legal target so i wonder if the comparison holds in this case where it's like you chose an illegal target please go select a ah, correct target ah oh well hold on uh in that case the doom blade case um, we actually have comprehensive rules that describe what to do to rewind, uh, uh, to back up a game, you know, to back up casting of a spell if caught right, incorrectly. Right. We, this infraction, HCE, explicitly says if we do rewind, we do not rewind. Uh, the latest we can re- or the earliest we can rewind is right after the erroneous action occurred. Sure. Okay. So there's, it's, it's got, it's got, issues with other types of um you know if if the if the ability is look at the top four cards of your library reveal a creature card put it in your hand put the other four in your you know on the bottom of your library uh or you know in your graveyard or whatever in any order and then this applies do you repeat that do you repeat that fix there no but yeah there's no there's no direction for it um Fortunately, I think this case is going to be very, very rare because it doesn't happen all that relatively that much. Sure. But but I'm I'm upset that that there is that there is something this big that is in that is that is policy now that is not alluded to in the document itself. Sure. I, I think as well, we also would all agree that hidden card error remains a uh, a policy piece in progress. Yes. So I would imagine it will continue to see improvements as we move forward from iteration to iteration. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing about the IPG in general is uh, it does that. It continues to see improvements. It's not uncommon for a change to be made that appears on the surface to cause problems, uh, but is clarified and moving forward in, in later versions of the IPG is then sure. changed. Um, so. Brian is correct in that this might be very unclear to someone who is not familiar with Toby's blog, but also that's not the first time that's happened and later it's been fixed. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so to, to be clear policy, the, the policy direction is to redo the action. Uh, you know, when it expires, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that part's a little confusing. Like, yeah. uh, I don't really understand what we're supposed to do if we catch it a turn later. Uh, and we go, Oh, you, you didn't reveal that thing. Uh, okay. Well, I guess just do the search now is kind of weird. Uh, but maybe that's what, maybe that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. So sounds like we're good there. 
So, Brian, you wouldn't say this has been a marked improvement? Uh, <laughs> that's funny because we're about to go to marked cards. It is. <laughs> well, I, I, will say, I will say this. It's, it's, well, if it was just on the thing, if, if Paula, if. <laughs> and another thing. I know, and another thing. Guys, um, guys, I'm not done yet. Stop. I'm not done yet. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> I think I think I would have less of a problem with it if it was actually called out in 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 some way in the anyway never mind I won't disagree with that. About the marked cards, okay. So so this this marked card change, I think this this came about as as a uh, result of a conversation on the L three mailing list. Um, so what uh what happened there was um. So the change, the change for mark cards used to used to say simply the cards in a player's decks are marked or oriented in a way that could could potentially give an advantage to a player. Um, now it's cards or sleeves in a player's deck have inconsistencies on them that might allow them to be differentiated from each other while in the library. This includes scuff marks, nail marks, discoloration, bent corners. Uh, curving from foil. So it, it kind of goes into a little bit more about uh, what types, what are the types of markings. Um, it adds a new example, uh, which is basic lands. Uh, so if a basic basic lands in a player's unsleeved deck are from a set with notably lighter backs. So that's kind of a, that is a, a an issue sometimes when you're pulling land out of uh, the box at your local store. Uh, they'll just have a, a box of you know, random lands from all different years. And so there's slight discoloration on the backs of some of the cards from year to year. Um, or and then the final be old and faded. Right. And so there, there was also, um, there's also another change uh, to the upgrade. Uh, so the upgrade used to say, if the, if the head judge believes a deck's owner, uh, owner noticing the, a pat, the pattern of markings uh, would be able to take advantage of this knowledge, the penalty is a game loss. Um, so that would be, you know, if if uh, if in your mono blue deck, your your merfolk deck, all of your lands had a scuff mark, uh, a scuff mark in the corner or something like that, and we investigated it and believed that you weren't cheating, that would still be upgraded to a game loss because you would be able to gain a substantial, you'd be able to gain a huge advantage from knowing what uh, what if you were going to draw a land or uh, a, um, you know a merfolk. Um, what the the policy has been changed to is uh, instead of would be able to take advantage of this knowledge, it's been changed to to gain substant uh, to gain a substantial uh, ad advantage from. And can you clarify what the difference yeah, would mean so, practically? So here here's the 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 difference practically speaking, and this is where the conversation was is um, the argument over I believe it's if one is one a pattern. Okay, so if I am playing a if I'm playing uh you know uh twenty four twenty four forest dot deck, you know just a bunch of big green creatures in twenty four forests, and one of those forests happens to be marked on the corner. Okay, um, well that's the thing. If I'm if I'm aware of that uh that 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 marking corresponds to a forest then if that card is on top then yes i know what the next card that i'm going to draw is but it's also one one out of 
you know, 24 forests. So, yeah, that's not the level of advantage that we really care about. Now, conversely, if I'm playing like a reanimator deck and the card in the, with the dinged corner is my win condition, okay, yeah, that, that would be a substantial advantage. So really, it just kind of, at least in my mind, it it's supposed to um, kind of address the the one is always a pattern versus one is never a pattern argument. Um, there's some right. people that believe there's some people that believe if one card is marked, that's always a pattern. So you actually almost need to get out of the definite pattern situation. You almost need to mark like two or three or four of the cards in order to to not get it upgraded. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the the. Uh... The main thing there is, like Brian said, it could provide a small advantage in certain contexts, but that is not uh, the point of the upgrade to punish that very small advantage that could be gained. Uh, the point of the upgrade is to mitigate a larger advantage that could be gained. Does that answer your question, Eric? Yeah, to some extent. I I really find marked cards to be a very interesting penalty to talk with other judges about because I think unlike some other infractions that we give where there's a very clear black and white, what you two are just talking about I think is is really great for us to think about because so often marked cards is not black and white. We are required to make a judgment call, and I think Toby talked about that some, and I think that – we could all stand to focus a little bit more on that. That Mark cards is challenging sometimes because like you said, one can be a pattern. One can be an anomaly. Right. Yeah. If it's, right. if it's, I think Brian mentioned this, if it's like the, the one sideboard card, you know, you're going to need, well, that's a problem. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if it's, if it's just, I, th I think what the, the, the original conversation that I had, I had this with some open was guy was doing a deck check and one of the Lords in the, in the guy's merfolk deck had uh, like a, a dirt spot on it. I was like, oh, well, this is marked. You know, he's going to he's going to know that he's going to draw a lord. And I was like, yeah, but he's got 19 others in his deck. <laughs> you know, right. Odds, odds are really good. Odds are really good. Even without looking eh, it's it's probably going to be a lord yeah. even without looking. So, um, so, yeah, so that was that was the change. I think that's a, a, a good uh it's a good change. All right. So I'm going to read a sentence from Toby's uh, article about the IPG changes. And one of you is going to tell me what he's talking about because I didn't get it at all. So here's the sentence. Awesome. <laughs> As part of backing up, cards that subsequently become known to both players can be shuffled in as they can be fully identified. Only cards that one player knows the identity of, usually because they drew them, are returned to the original location. Okay, I can explain that. All right, please do. Yeah, so when you back up through a card draw, for example, mm -hmm. well, why, are, typically, why are we backing up, or does it matter? Doesn't matter. Okay. So. Uh, let's in the example we're using. Let's say that there's a game rule violation. Okay. But this. Okay. But this could so, apply. So to during CBV. during yeah during my uh it could also apply to CBV. Yeah. During my upkeep, something happens. Blah blah blah. I draw a card and then we realize it. Well, if we back up through that card draw, uh, then we end up in a situation where, um. Uh, we don't want to shuffle away the, the card. We want to put it back on top, and then the game self-corrects when we go through that draw step again. We, that guy has the same... Uh, that, that guy or girl has the same uh, set of cards they were supposed to have in that draw step, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, but the reason that we do that is because we can't know which card was drawn. If we had perfect knowledge about which card was drawn, then, then shuffling that card away actually gets us to 
a, a truly correct game state where in that upkeep we have a, a random unknown card on top of the library. Um, so if for some reason, let's say they have a courser of Crufix or something that is revealing the top card and all players know what it is, instead we can just shuffle that card into the library and we get a more accurate representation of the game as it was. Um, well, I guess courser is actually a worse example there because we knew that was on top. Ooh. But uh, I, I think so, you might understand what I'm going for there. So the, so the section of the IPG that, that changed on this is only is explicitly talking about rewinding through a shuffle. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this, uh, uh, so the the sentence in question is a card that became legally known to, um, and then it says uh, only one player after the error was committed uh, is not considered random and is returned to the appropriate. Uh, hold on, no, th- that is that is a change, but I don't think that's the change that applies. Right, I don't think that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, no, no, I'm mistaken. I I, I do like that one as well, uh, if I'm understanding you correctly. But uh, but yeah, that's not that's not what we're talking about here. No no no, I'm mis- okay. Wait a second. <laughs> I- I'm waiting for Brian to think. Wait just a yeah. I'm, I'm actually I'm actually I'm actually looking. So California is the number one uh, exporter of peaches in the United States, and South Carolina is number two. <laughs> I- yeah. So I'm I'm actually I'm actually looking for the change that support that supports that. And I'm not. I don't. I don't see it. Uh, it should be a one point. The one we were just talking about. Yeah, you said one point four. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cards yeah. publicly revealed to all players can be shuffled back in as normal. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So. So here was okay. So maybe. maybe so here's here's what the change is. So this is the only change. Uh. So I have a a, a change version of of the stuff that we use for the the IPG. It said uh, a card that became legally known to a player. After the error was committed, it was changed to a card that became legally known to only one player. Ah, that's that's the that's the distinction here. So yeah, this is this isn't a section that is talking about rewinding through a shuffle. Like that that whole paragraph, it starts off with saying, you know, in order to perform a backup, you reverse each action. But then the the sentence it's talking about shuffles. The sentence that changed is uh, a card that became legally known to only one player after the error committed is not considered random and is returned to the appropriate location uh, after the shuffle has been completed. So if you are having to rewind through a shuffle, okay, what it, what used to happen is, according to this, is if you knew what the card was, so you drew the, the cards in your hand, you, you, you let's say you, um, you cast a draw spell um, and you cracked a, you know, in order to cast that draw spell, you cracked a fetch. So you went and got the fetch, but you got, you know, you didn't, you didn't actually crack a fetch. You cracked like, cracked like a, uh, a shock land. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you just, you just searched for land, put it in there, shuffled, put it down, then drew your card. Okay. Well, now we realize that you, you cracked a shock land and we have to rewind. Um, so we would have to put that card back uh and then shuffle, but we'd be putting like a random card from your hand back on th- onto the library and then sh- putting that land back in and shuffling the deck and stuff like that. So we're in effect shuffling a random card from your hand away. Mm-hmm. In this particular case, what this is saying is, is this is saying if both players knew what that card was that I drew for whatever reason, then it's not considered random and we can take that specific card exactly and shuffle it away and we don't have to 
uh, put it back on top of the library after the shuffle is done. So we do things if the card's only known to one player, we do things kind of out of order. We would take that. We would take a random card from their hand. We'd put the lands back, do the shuffle, all that stuff, and then put that card back on top of the library. Brian, am I correct in assuming then, based on what you're saying, the difference would be between like a diabolic tutor, which is letting you search for any card, or a green sun zenith, which is saying go search for a specific type of card that you need to reveal. Would those be good examples of of the difference in how this is going to work? Uh, yeah. So if if you if you searched if you searched for a card, uh, and then you you showed it. And we realized that the error was because you didn't ca- you didn't cast it with the right mana. Okay, um, we would be able we'd be able to uh, because with Green Sun Zenith we showed the card we'd be able to pluck that card that exact card right out and shuffle it back in the library. But with Diabolic Tutor we can't. Okay. 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 I think it helps to have specific cards for people to kind of hang their hat on and go. Okay, now I have something right. to go with. Yeah, no, on second thought, uh, I wouldn't even do a ba- I wouldn't do a backup here. That's that's too messy. It's it's no rewind for that. All right, feel like we can move on from the IPG. Mm-hmm. All right, so there's a few updates to the MTR, and I'm just gonna kind of read them. And uh, if we want to have any discussion, we can. But uh, Brian always thinks we can't spend too long talking about the IPG, and then we spend 40 minutes talking about the IPG. It doesn't matter what the changes are. So. Uh, I think the MTR changes are a lot more straightforward. They are. So, oh, they are. First off, in, in this is also in the notes, but it, Scott Lair reposted an article about the MTR changes. One is he mentioned that you can hit the zero zero button in Word to enter an intentional draw. And I don't know if this is new or if he's just letting people know that that can happen. Hmm. It seemed kind of out of place, but I didn't know that. I didn't know what that zero zero button was for. I always entered them manually at zero zero three, but you can actually just hit uh, zero zero. That might be a change to Wizards of Event Reporter. It did not used to enter that correctly, as it would enter at zero zero zero, and the MTR requires you to enter at zero zero three. Maybe it's a recent change yeah. then, because he says it'll enter it at zero zero three. Yep, that that must be uh, new, and I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, me too, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, all right, so the next uh, MTR update is that if there's a match on camera. And that match is not timed separately from the main event. Usually at a GP or SCG Open, uh, that that match, the on-camera matches do not, they follow the same clock as the main event unless um, coverage holds them off. Uh, that's going to be given a flat three-minute time extension. Yeah, so. Is that only for uh, matches that are actually on video? Is that, is that you know clear? That's N- no, it's, it's for everything. If it is in feature match area... Okay. Then we're supposed to give three minutes, and then it's like three minutes unless you need to give more. And I think that really depends. I think every one of us have been in venues where three minutes is plenty of time or three minutes is not at all enough time. Well, I right. almost think that if, if you need to give that amount of time, they'd almost have a setup to time those separately, right? They, they talk some about that where, especially for the camera match, I think it's important for whoever the coverage judge is to maybe set up a timer that is visible there so that way the players can see that. But I think the hope is that everything that's not primary camera or backup camera will be able to use the main clock, the plus three being enough to to balance that out. So, and this is only feature matches at a tournament with online coverage. So, yeah, so this is this is not your local. <laughs> well, I'm going to say the the article is very explicit uh, that it's featured matches that involve video coverage. So the MTR specifically says that it is feature matches in tournaments that have online coverage. Okay, so the intent, 
Yeah, so so the the article is it's misleading then because it says featured matches that involve video coverage, but you're saying feature matches where there is also video coverage. Uh, yeah, let me grab it again. I had it here just a second ago. Well, I mean, online coverage could also include text coverage of some kind yeah, if people it, were doing like live tweeting or things right. like that. It says feature matches at a tournament with online coverage. It does not specify that that feature match needs to be featured in that online coverage. All right. Um, it, that might be the intent, but if that's the intent, yeah. it, it's a bit overlooked. Well, no, I, I think I think the I think the intent is at GPs and opens is GPs and opens. Well, I mean, I think you also have, though, a lot of other places like regionals are coming up. And I think more of those regionals TOs are trying to do their own form of, of broadcasting as well. Yeah, so quite a I think it's quite. A yeah, I think it's fair. I, I think it's fair for them to be able to have that consistency. Yeah. But at the at the same time, like what? So the whole the whole thing at at GPs and stuff like that is because they post pairings and then a minute later they make the announcement mm. okay so those 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 players don't have those times at regionals though if you're going to have like a feature match area with video cameras and stuff like that you're probably going to figure all that out at the same time you do pairings because you you just know the local guys or you're just going to do like the top you know you're just going to do the top two matches or something like that um there's you're not going to you're not going to post pairings and then you know after most after a good number of the players have sat down, then you're going to say like, oh, table four, um, you need to walk uh, th three feet away and sit at the feature match area as opposed to all the way on the other side of the uh, the stage. I, I do think part of the reason that the MTR has updated like this, though, is from a coverage standpoint, from from a viewership standpoint. I do think that draws are not very compelling television to watch. So I think anything that can be done to avoid that is is definitely in the best interest of Watsi, though it clearly, as you are stating, Brian, creates some potential problems for us with inconsistencies and in how much time do you actually have available to you? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I look I look at this and yeah, yeah, it does say uh, feature matches at tournaments with online coverage. So, yeah, that that is if your regionals has online coverage, I, I got to then. Yeah, this counts. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think it's meant to. But, yeah, that's what it is. All right. Let's get to the big one. And that is that quote unquote. That wasn't the big one. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to have that much discussion. Uh, quote unquote pile shuffling is down to once a game now and only at the start of the game. So it, that change was made recently to where it could be once per shuffle. Now, you know, we're really doubling down on the pile shuffling is only for counting your deck and there's really only one time you need to count your deck is at the start of the game. So that is when you can pile shuffle. And what do we do if they don't follow this rule? We tell them to follow this rule. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. We look disapprovingly at them. <laughs> exactly. And uh, this is... Wag up this next one's interesting because I don't think this has changed as long as I've been a judge. But the uh... oh well, hold on. There there has been a question about this that's come up on the on the forums. Which, which one? Is, which is which is uh, so they pile shuffle and then you swoop and do a deck check and you bring the decks back. Uh, do they do they can they pile shuffle again? Yes, Absolutely. Yes, sure. mm -hmm. yes they can. Yeah, yes, they can. Why are we asking? Well, no, I'm just saying. I'm. I'm it was asked. I know. So I know. We're answering. I just, I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> All right. All right. So this next one is interesting since I led into it and I got everyone's interest. And now they're like, uh, I don't care anymore. 
All right, the review period between packs in a timed draft is now longer. So now you get 60 seconds after the first pack to review your picks. It was originally 30 seconds, and you get 90 seconds after the second dra uh, pack to review your picks, and you get 20 after the third pack. 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes. Review your pack. Your picks. <laughs> so that's interesting. I mean, you know, I don't know. There's not much to say about that, but. What 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 upsets me the most about this is I have a, a draft timer script from a from a an app that was discontinued, <laughs> you know, four years ago. Right. So it's never going to update. Uh, All right. Oh my God, Bpril, are you going to have to get a new app? No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> the have app doesn't draft. exist. They, they don't the, have a draft timer app anywhere for an. There's iPhone. no iOS one. It's only for Android, which is quite annoying. I'm really? Good. Yeah. 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 Huh. There's okay. no draft timer. The the draft timer app was MTG Judge, and it was uh, defunct. Uh, they stopped updating it about four years ago, and I have hung on to it ever since, simply for uh, the the draft timer. And it has a sweet deckless counter app or function. Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised the iOS Judge app now hasn't added that though it comes up so infrequently it may just not be worth the developmental time that's kind of how i feel yeah the, the use the, the use case for it is a very small uh or the the, the target audience that's what i was looking yeah, for sure very small group of people all right um kind of dive into a little bit of news go for uh, it all right well jess you sound unsure i was well i was gonna say one thing is, is i'm kind of in the minority here i'm kind of glad it doesn't exist because I think it existing makes judges want to use it in inappropriate times. <laughs> I can get behind I that. Fair. Yeah. It. So so let's let's just when when do you want to do a timed draft? GP never and SCG. Yeah, GPs and SCGO. If they if they do anything at SCGs. Oh yeah, they don't. Um, they have the draft so open. Let's, a long be more, time let's actually let's broaden that a little bit. Let's be more specific. You want to do a timed draft whenever you have multiple pods drafting at the same time and you need to keep them on the same page so if you're running a, an event uh a, a unique event at your store that has you know eight pods drafting it might be appropriate to do a called draft I would it's agree. not usually appropriate to do a called draft for the top eight of your pbdq yep right yep the, there will i will consider it if everyone at the table wants that as an experience but i've yet to have that actually happen yep because no, every pe the people who have done it, it's it's miserable, and there's there's really no, no point. It's not fun. All right, so exemplar exemplar wave eight is almost done. Uh, you will have what just a few days left when this episode comes out to put in your nominations. Yep. If you're it is it is the thirty uh, Tuesday the thirty first at midnight uh, Pacific time. Okay. So you know if there's any judges you think are doing great things, Tuesday the thirty first. Recommendation. If it is Wednesday the first, you're too late. <laughs> then you can save it for wave nine. Uh, yeah. If you, yeah, that's that's exactly what people I get emails occasionally from people where it's like, Hey, I didn't get a chance to get any of my nominations in. Is there any opportunity that I can put them in? And I'm like, Yeah, in two wave weeks nine. when uh, wave yeah. nine opens, you get them in early. Yeah. All right. So we also got an update about the disqualification process and not much changed here. But the big point they, they are trying to get across is that if a player is disqualified, and no, I'm not saying suspended, just disqualified, right? So there's that, there's that period of time where someone might be disqualified, but not, but it hasn't gone through the review board yet to suspend them. Uh, players can obviously, they can still play in events. That's not a change. 
But if they are qualified for the Pro Tour, the World Magic Cup, or the World Championship, they need to call Wizards of the Coast to confirm that they're still eligible and also get their case fast-tracked. I don't know if it happens. Uh, but also in this update, uh, the oh, I forgot I forgot who's in charge there. But he plugged the website for disqualifications, and uh, it actually looked really good. So I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. But it's blogs.magicjudges.org slash O slash disqualification process. It had a lot of resources there. Uh, and then, of course, we have a website about... Sorry, we have an episode about the disqualification process as well. Fine. And there was a mobile update for Judge Apps. Brian, we have things to do. But then you, you took longer to chastise me about adding it than you did, and then it took you to drop the actual... <laughs> Judge apps now work on mobile phones. Better. It works better. That's exciting news. It actually is. It, it, it actually is. Actually I was actually incredibly exciting that. news. If you travel much as a judge, oh my word. That, then then yes. it is exciting news. Yes. So guys, we got a few emails because, you know, we thought the show would be a little shorter. And I, I still want to do them, but I want to rock it through. Okay. You guys feel good about that? Okay. Let's do it. All right. Eric, you're up first. All right. Our first email comes from Isaac Lyons. Isaac writes, Dear Judge Cast. What is the policy regarding asking your opponent if they are taking a mulligan if you are on the play? We all know that the player who is going first should decide his or her mulligan before their opponent, but in practice, people regularly do it all the time, at least at regular REL. However, as we also all know, there is some advantage in knowing whether your opponent is going to mulligan before you decide for yourself. Does asking your opponent if they are going to mulligan imply at competitive REL that you yourself are going to keep your hand? So, Eric, I sprung this question on you. Do you do you want to answer it or? or sure. So I have like I'll give my thoughts on this and I would love to hear what you guys have to say as well. So my thoughts are two things. One, if if I am called over to a table and that question is asked of me, then I want to know, did either of you motion like you are going to begin mulliganing? Because I think the question, as the as Isaac implied, it does seem to say, I think I'm passing that priority over to you. I know we're not doing a priority right. pass. I would want to ask that player, why did you ask that question? What did you hope to accomplish with that? Because if the player says, well, I was just curious, or if the player says, well, I wanted to know so I could make my decision, then that's going to influence the judgment that I'm going to give. Because I think my standard answer would be, if you asked, then you are choosing to keep unless I have something telling me otherwise. And, and that's where I fall. That's exactly where I fall. Yep. Sounds like we have Judge Cast Quorum. <laughs> so we we can move on. Sounds that way. <laughs> Judge cast what? Quorum. 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 It's a hard word to say. It's a majority in a legislative body. Yeah. Of which Judge Cast is. Of Judge Cast Holdings International. All right. Next email is from Andrew. <laughs> he starts it off easily identifiable greeting. During episode 161, you had mentioned that during the final match of an event, the players may decide to allocate prizes for the event as, desire, as desired. Uh, boxes slash invite. Are the players allowed to make it Winner takes all, so boxes plus invite to first, no prizes to second, and then play out the match. And also, must these decisions be made before game one or at any point before the end of the match? All right, so one thing. Before, before, you, before you jump into that, yeah, I, I'm looking at this email, and it, it literally just says easily identifiable greeting yes. at the top. And now and I love he's that. identified it. <laughs> <laughs> it's worked. Plan accomplished. Um, so... Uh, the one thing I do want to say before I start is just to be clear, this only applies during the final match of a single elimination. Um, uh, oh, man, I, I, forgot, yeah, I the, forgot the name of the end the, of the tournament. 
It's well, playoff. so technically it is the announced last round out of an event, uh, of the single elimination portion of an event. Yeah. Basically, there should uh, only be two people left in your tournament when this is happening. Uh, there, there is a case uh, where this can apply to more than two people, but only if there will if they will not then continue on to more rounds. So the when this can happen there is is the RPTQ where the top four play and then stop. Ah, gotcha. Yep. Okay, that's a good call. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't consider that at all. So. Uh, did you have something else, Jess? No, go ahead. Okay. You were about to say what I was thinking. Oh, so to answer the question of uh, are the players allowed to make it winner takes all? Absolutely. They can split the prizes however they want. Now, it, it's a little weird, you know, say boxes plus invite to first, no prizes to second. Um, no, no, actually, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, you know, what they can't do, because the invite is part of being first, they can't say, well, boxes are going to first and invites going to second, right? Obviously, you would just swap that. But they, they literally can't do that, right? Invite has to go to first. Um, but yeah, that's completely legal. Um, and then do these decisions need to be made, made before game one? No, they can be made at any point during the match. Uh, and the only other call I wanted to make is if they do decide, okay, you're going to take all the boxes. I'm going to take the invite. Uh, what has to happen from there is the player taking the boxes has to drop. So it's not counted as a loss, even if they've already played a game or anything. Uh, it, it's going to be a drop. And that's how it'll be entered in the tournament. And then the winner will get the invite. Does that sound good, everyone? Sounds great. Sounds good. Right. Do it, Jess. Uh, should we? Yes. Uh, uh, the next email that we have is from Daniel Sperling. He says, hi, JudgeCast. I would argue that that is also an easily identifiable greeting. Yes. Uh, hi, JudgeCast. I'm an L1 in the Mid-Atlantic region, and I'm going to be judging my first Grand Prix trial. It's going to be a sealed event, and I was curious to hear your thoughts about whether or not to have the participants register deck lists. I know Grand Prix trials are normally supposed to be run at regular rules enforcement level, with the exceptions of events with significant prizes, which my event does not have. Would you have players register a deck list? What do you guys think about this? This is kind of an opinion question, really. It, uh, it is. Sort of. But I would I I, I I can give a quick answer. Yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'll be I'll be honest. A lot of my reason comes down to time. Like, yeah, not just my time, but the time of the event itself. Like players, whether or not players realize that they value their time. And that's that's a lot of time not playing Magic the Gathering, which is what you actually came to do. Yeah. And and uh kind of along the same lines my my reason is more fun right deck lists are not fun yeah. to i mean maybe to some people they are but to me they are not fun and then i think the next question is what what are you going if you're running this event at regular area what are you going to do with these deck lists mm-hmm. are you going to deck check like why would you do that well i think I w- the main the main thing here is there there might be some people that are concerned about cheating sure and uh right. if you have if you have for whatever reason you have a group that is you know really cutthroat and really competitive and concerned about this gpt Run it at competitive REL. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but realistically, if your event does not have that significant prize structure, and significant obviously is a subjective term, but if your event doesn't have that significant prize structure, there's no good reason to throw in all those extra inconveniences you guys just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the benefit is that you're making, you're valuing tournament integrity over fun when you do the deck lists. And you do that when your event has big prizes. Um, yeah. So regular REL events almost exclusively want to be using uh, no deck lists. The the other the other counter thing we're we're saying you know 
please don't use deck lists if you're going to keep it irregular. Keep it fun. And the the big the big counter argument you have is well, players in my area are really concerned about cheating. Um, generally speaking, it's not players in general. It's like one or two. So be aware if you're if you're saying well. We've got a lot of players in our area that are that are concerned about this. Actually, stop and think about who's actually doing the complaining, and how many people that actually is. Because it sure it might seem like you've you've been told you know 15 times that oh well, us players are really concerned about cheating. But if it's all coming from the same person, then you know it, it gives the illusion of it appearing more than than it. The, it gives the illusion that the concern is that more people have the concern than really do. You can also I, I think that maybe implied with the question is like if I'm going to do a deck check, the only way I can do a deck check is if I have deck lists. If if you have concerns about a, a pool being overly good and you're worried about it being legal, you can still check the the deck, the contents itself, because just do the math on how many of each card should be there. You know, the, the one I always like to check is the uncommons. Like you should be able to know how many uncommons there are barring foils, of course. And and that at least should help give you a start on being able to check for something like that. If you're concerned about tournament integrity. Yeah, but I know I know it's not perfect, but it's yeah. at least a, a way to get the ball rolling. Like I did one and start a conversation. I did one Kaladesh draft and two packs had like they both had five uncommons. And it's just like, well, this is weird. So. <laughs> Well, that that would be again. That would be you could you could mitigate that by just making an announcement. You know, it's like, hey, if you open something that is non-standard, mm, yep. then uh, then let me know. I opened a brainstorm, uh, and I will congratulate I will congratulate you on your masterpiece. Yes, right. <laughs> if you if yeah, exactly. If you if you open so if you open a pack with like no rares and six uncommons, let me know. And and what'll happen is, hey, when they'll let you know probably really soon after the the pack opening time is mm-hmm. uh is done they're not they're not going to let you know like during deck construction oh by the way i opened a pack with uh with uh of you know triple rares in it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you notice that and, you notice that when you open <laughs> and uh you know one thing if you're worried about that kind of thing where things might be off you can actually incorporate that step where you open it, where, where you, you, you can incorporate the, the pass across method and just have the person across from them check that they have the right distribution of cards and then mm-hmm. pass it back. Yeah. And you don't have to go through all the process of a deck list just to verify that the, the card distribution is correct. Okay. All right. Well, <clears throat> if you people out there would like to email us, you could by emailing judgecast at gmail.com. You could also follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, all those lovely things you can do with social media. All right, Eric, thank you so much for being on with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. It was fun. Um, do you have anything you'd like to plug? You know, I don't know, anything. We just give this opportunity to all our guests. Sure. Well, I, I enjoyed seeing that Daniel Sperling was from the Mid-Atlantic region, which I think is a fantastic region. Wow. So I'll plug <laughs> the Mid-Atlantic region as a whole. Wow. All right. In the Mid-Atlantic region. You know, I, I think what's funny I we've had RCs on here. I don't think anyone's ever plugged a whole region. Yeah, I don't think that's true. Not of RCs. That's first, right here. Yeah. Uh, who's who's RC in Mid Atlantic? Uh, Saban. Nicholas Saban. Oh, that's oh. We also that's never had him on the show. I don't think. I don't think we have. That's kind of shocking. So, <laughs> hmm. Um. Anyway. Anyway. All right. Well, anyone have any last thoughts? Nope. All right. Then my name is CJ Trader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I keep old apps on my phone. Mm-hmm.
guys heard of this Angry Birds? This is great. <laughs> Are you kidding? Uh, uh, Pocket God? Have you seen this? You get the little guys and you can kill them on the island? So I have this game called Snake. 